Welcome to the Glasgow Baptist Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Erdie Carter. We want to help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. I don't know about you, but I needed that this morning. You know, there's something about being here uh, and worshiping together. I realize I'm, we're grateful that we can stream and be on television and, and all the things, but uh, being here is something. Hey, uh, Chris, let me give you a heads up. I'm, I'm, everything's behind me, so uh, I feel like I'm in the barrel. So, hey, if you're a guest this morning, we want to say a special welcome to you. Even if you're not a guest, here's what I want to ask you to do. Go ahead and grab one of these cards out of the pew in front of you. It says, go ahead, we're listening. Uh, at the end of our service, if you want to go ahead and fill it out, um, at the end of the service, I'm going to encourage you to use this card, whether you're a guest or a member, so you, you please do that, all right? Ever, anybody ever run out of gas and want to admit it? Yeah, we, a few, few people are honest. I, um, knock on wood, that hasn't happened to me, although I've, I've come awful close. But I think it would be really embarrassing if I am... Uh, a, a police officer who ran out of power or, or gas in a pursuit. Wouldn't you think? Would you think that'd be embarrassing? Yeah, well, it happened uh, last, last year in um, California, Fremont, California. Uh, Fremont Police Department has decided they were trying to go to all eco-friendly uh, police cars. And so what they did was they bought a Tesla uh, Tesla plants there in that community. They've got a Tesla. And those of you who know anything about Teslas, they're just all electric. you got to plug them up every day. And so uh, what happened was they, uh, had, they had, were in a pursuit. There was a, there was a felon who had stolen a Toyota Avalon, was crossing into their county, and they had picked up the chase. And the, and the officer, Jesse Hammond, was driving the te- Tesla. They were getting up to speeds about 120 miles an hour down the, the freeway. And Hammond finally r- r- radios to dispatch and says, hey, dispatch, or, or actually, hey, if there's another unit who wants to take over, I'm about to run out of power. I got less than six miles to go on this electric car. Now, uh, as soon as they make that, that statement, the, ca- the captain of the police department gets on the radio and calls off the pursuit. Now, now, they didn't call it off because he was about out of power. They called it off out of safety. In fact, there's tons of, of law enforcement agencies who have a no-pursuit policy when it gets to dangerous speeds because of uh, other people around. Glasgow's got one uh, themselves. But, so they call it off there. But, but it was interesting. They call it off after, hey, I got less than six miles and I'm dead. And if you know anything about Teslas, um, if you run out of power on that car... Guess what? That car does nothing for you. It's, it's a paperweight, a big paperweight. Uh, so, so they did. So the, the police department came out and said, hey, um, we don't have a policy on charging the car. <laughs> they probably do now. But uh, it's supposed to be at least half charged before they take a shift. And uh, that case may not be uh, that day. It's interesting. I tell that story because I think there are Christians who act a lot alike that moment. We're fine 
we got everything going for us. We, we can maneuver, but we really don't have the power of Christ in our life. I mean, we look good. We do all the right things, but we're missing the power of Christ in our life. And without the power of Christ in our life, we're nothing. We, we are nothing. We're unable to do anything. We're unable to conquer anything. We're unable to go through this life victorious as Christ has called us to. So this, this morning in Exodus chapter 17, as we continue through the book of Exodus, I want to encourage you to, to follow along because what we're going to see today is the Israelites are going to face their first challenge of someone else. We've been studying the book of Exodus, and so we've, we've journeyed through uh, the, the plagues. We've journeyed through Pharaoh, let my people go. We've crossed the Red Sea, and now we get to chapter 17, and, and we won't look at the first eight verses, but in the first eight verses, they're just, they're just kind of complaining. We talked about that last week. But now we get into a confrontation with somebody else. We get in confrontation with Amalek's. We don't know why they come. We don't know what their reason is. They just don't like Israel. And now Israel's face to face with them in a fight. But what we're going to see this morning is the power. Not the power of Israel, but the power of God. And that same power that Israel experienced with God that day is available for you and I. But we have to be plugged in. Otherwise, we're just, we're just going to be useless when it comes to spiritual warfare, when it comes to spiritual battles. And, and let's be honest, we all have spiritual battles, right? I mean, we, we, we know we're in a spiritual battle in our country, right? We, we understand that. But do you realize that you are also in a personal spiritual battle every day? Yes. That there is one who wants to throw you off, calls you to lose the battle. Not only are we in a spiritual battle as a country, as individuals, but really as the church in general. Yes. And so this morning, I want us to look at Exodus 17, and as we unpack these verses, I want us to see the power of God. I want us to see, because what we'll, what we'll notice is throughout Scripture, Moses is a man of prayer. All the way up to this point, we've seen Moses praying and, and going to God. He has been sharing his concern. He's been praying and asking God, what do I do now? These people are whining. These people are, are angry. God, how do I make Pharaoh listen? What do I do next? And God has always been answering. We know Moses is a man of prayer. What we're going to see today is Moses' prayer, but what we're going to realize for Moses and for you and I, even in our weakness, we're not strong enough. We've got to rely on God's power. So if you have your Bibles and you're at Exodus 17, would you stand as we honor the reading of God's holy word. We'll pick up at verse 8. You'll see it there on the screen. 
Verse 8 says, At Rephidim, Amalek came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us to go and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on, on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on, the, on top of the hill. While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hand grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. Then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. The Lord then said to Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under the heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up towards the Lord's throne. The Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. You may be seated. We find the first battle, and again, we, we really don't know what that first battle was over. We, we have no idea why they, they didn't like Israel. Maybe they moved in on their territory. Maybe they were taking up too much land for their, uh, their livestock. We have no idea. But what we know is, is they went to battle. And what we also know is that Israel was victorious in the battle. And so this morning, as you and I wrestle with the idea of battles that we're in, how do we, how do we find vic victory as well? I mean, we know Jesus is the answer, right? right. We, we know Jesus is the answer for the world, and we know that he's victorious over the whole war, war that we're going to have. But what do you and I, what is our role in the battle while we're here? And so this morning, here's the one I want you to catch. This is the big idea this morning. A believer can be victorious on the battlefield of life only when they persevere and prevail in prayer. Catch that. Only when they persevere and prevail in prayer. There is this idea that we will see in Scripture this morning of perseverance and prayer. Both of them are required for you and I to be victorious in the battles that we face. Whether they're battles of internal wrestling with sin, with worry, with doubt, with, with, with pornography, with, the, with whatever it is, with the, with the idea of leave, uh, leaving our spouse. Those battles, unless we persevere in prayer, we're going to lose. Because there is one who's trying to cause us to stumble and fall. Our sin nature wants to always win. As Paul says, he tells us, what I will to do, that is what I don't do. But what I want to do, that's what I don't. It's the inner tug of war that we all have. So, how, so what are some things we need to do? Well, let's look at it from, from this, this idea of Exodus 17. And we're going to see what Moses did and the people of Israel and how they're victorious and how you and I can be victorious as well. The first thing I want you to catch this morning 
is simply this. Before we battle, we must be in the proper place. Catch that. Before we do battle, we've got to be in the proper place. So Moses knows that there's a battle coming, that he knows that things are about to happen. Before Joshua engages, before, before the sword is pulled, before they encounter them, Moses tells Joshua, you get the men together and I'm going up on the hill. I'm going to be in the proper place. I'm going to get to the right spot so that we can do battle against the enemy. That's the same thing for you and I. We've got to be in the proper place. We've got to spiritually be in the proper place because if we're not, when we're faced with a battle in our life, what's going to happen to us? When we're not spiritually prepared, we will stumble and fall and we will let the sin that is so easily entangles us will cause us to stumble and fall. We'll, we'll do things that are not appropriate because we're not prepared. My wife has this saying. I used it Wednesday night. Failure to plan is planning to fail. And it's the idea of being ready when, she's looking at me going, you're getting it, boy. You're getting it. I'm I, Every time she comes back with my sermon against me somehow. Right? Yeah, uh-huh. She's grinning. But the thing is, we have to be prepared. We have to be prepared and in place. We have to be ready for what's coming. When we live our life unprepared, what does that do us? It does us no good. It causes us to stumble. It causes us to fall. Now, here's the thing. Israel is about to face a physical battle, one which will require swords and fighting physically. You and I face a battle every day, but it's not physical in nature. It's spiritual. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that we struggle with flesh and blood and our struggle is not with flesh and blood but with with rulers and authorities that are not of this world it's it's a spiritual battle that you and i face it, it's a battle of will i or won't i that's why that's why people who wrestle with depression so much just give in to to things they shouldn't that's why, that's why when, when things aren't going well, I don't know who you turn to, but my counselors are little Debbie, right? Ben and Jerry. Those things are the things we turn to. Why? Because we give up and we just soon find them. Actually, my new counselor is called Cheetos. Um, I anyways, I haven't had some, I haven't had, to be, I haven't had to be in counseling for a while. I feel one coming on this afternoon. So, um, <laughs> oh, if you haven't been here, you don't catch that one, but that's all right. We have to be in the proper place. We've got to be in the proper place. Moses knew the proper place, so he goes up on the hill. Second thing I want us to catch in this text is this. Before we battle, we must be in the proper posture. So there's a proper place, and there's a proper posture. You're going, oh, what? I don't understand posture well yeah you do you understand posture for Moses 
they went up on the, the hill and there was a proper posture. Did you catch what happened? Israel's doing well. They're fighting against Amalek and they're winning the battle, the war. As long as Moses' hands are where? Raised. But there come a moment for Moses to think either, A, hey, we've got this, and he drops his arms, or as we read, we catch that as time went on, his arms got tired. Every time he lowered, what happened? The Amalek started winning the war. There's a proper posture. For Moses, when he was up on that hill, that's the posture of prayer. It's an attitude of prayer, lifting his hands to the Lord. In fact, all through Scripture, we read where prayer, if, if you really want to see the, the posture of prayer, it is hands raised. Look at these Scripture verses. Exodus 9.29 says, Moses said to Pharaoh, who he's talking to, When I have left the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. It'll be up. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth belongs to who? The Lord. All right? The psalmist says it this way. Psalm 63, 4 says, So I bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. And you go, well, that's an Old Testament kind of thing. Let me just tell you what, what we read from Paul. First Timothy tells us this. Therefore, I want, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy what? Hands without anger or argument. Proper postures with your hands in the air. Hands lifted high. You, you know this. I know this. There's a lot that is said by our posture in life, isn't it? Somebody comes to you and wrestles with you and, or says something to you. You can, read, you can read their reaction based on their posture, right? I mean, what's this tell you? Not listening. I don't want to hear a word you say. I, I, you know, this is, this is, this is my, uh, when I get no Cheetos at home, this is my posture. We, we have, we, we can do that. We have certain postures that say more about our reaction than the way we, than the words that we say. Moses recognized the proper posture was in prayer. How do you respond to people when they come to you? Listen, not every person comes to you and says things the most eloquent way. Not everybody says things the, the polite way. Not everybody says things, um, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes we say things and we don't mean them harsh, but they come across that way, right? Can I get an amen? Don't point to anybody who does that, just, you know. But we, we, we understand that. And so when that happens, when somebody says something like that, then we're in this attitude of, what? Well, what do they mean by that? Who do they think they are? And, and we get into a posture of argument, don't we? Right? One of the easiest ways to do that is through emails or text messages. You know why? Because we do not know how to read emotions in text messages or emails. Right? What's your posture in life? Do you, do you go through life with your 
hands closed or hands open? What's your posture? Closed or open? Let me give you a little insight. One of, the, one of the best things I've learned to do for myself in moments that I feel like a battle's coming on, like I'm agitated, maybe not at whatever meeting I'm sitting in, but maybe it's just been a long day, I have learned to sit at the table with my hands open. In fact, there, there are times I sit, I'll sit in a meeting and I'll just... I'll just, under the table, nobody sees me. I'll sit there with my hands open like this. And you know what that does? I, I, I have learned I can't get mad at people when my hands are open. I, I don't know. Don't ask me. But I know where my heart goes and I know where my head goes. Lord, I need you. And so in those moments, I'll sit there. And, I, and, and again, it, it, there, we've all had those moments where, hey, didn't sleep well last night, something didn't happen, so we had a rough day on something else. And so we, before we know it, we're t- we may take it out on somebody. So when I know that's coming on, I sit in those meetings with my hands open. Because I want to develop a posture where I need God. And let God do the defending, not me. How's your posture? What's it like every day? Do you, do you, do you realize that every day there, that you need to be in the right place? That means you're, you're, you're spending time with God, hearing from God, listening to God, knowing what God wants, and then you are living with that right posture. God, I need you. Help me. Or are you living your life going, I dare you? There's a big difference. There's a big difference in how we live our life. And notice, both of these things happen long before Joshua pulls the first sword. Both of these happen long before there is this moment in which Joshua is is ready to do battle. Chuck Swindoll said it this way. I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% on how we react to it. How do you react? What is your reaction like? Are you preferably responding? Or are you responding sinfully? The other thing we find in this text is during the battle, we must be persistent. Must be persistent. We talked about it for just a moment ago. There was a moment in which which Moses drops his arms. Again, he came to this moment where he thought, we don't know what he thought. Maybe he thought, hey, they've got this. They don't need me. Really, they don't need Moses at all. They need God. And what happened was they realized that as long as Moses stayed in that, that, that attitude of prayer, they were successful. And what we find in this text was in the midst of Moses' weakness, he was, he was weak and Aaron and her were there to, to lift him up, to hold him up, to encourage him. 
But it's in that moment of weakness that God works the most. There has to be persistence. Listen, nobody, uh, I, I st- sat in on Charles and Rhonda's Sunday school class for a few minutes this morning. Uh, nobody, nobody likes things to drag on. Sunday school lesson was on Lazarus, you know, the raising of Lazarus. And, and I just made the comment before I left. I said, our text doesn't cover this, but remember when Jesus hears that Lazarus is dead, what's his first reaction? He stays three days. Somebody says, Chance said, I'm good with three days, but when he gets to four, I'm like, your best friend was a three. Why don't you come rescue me at four? And I had to say, but remember the children of Israel? How many years? 40. See, we want things now. We struggle. Why? Because we're weak. We're, we're, we're unable to, to continue. In our weakness, he's strong. We have to develop a, a sense of persistency. We have to keep striving, recognizing that Christ has won the war. The battle has already been won. We've just got to continue to be faithful in the midst of the battle. We got to, we cannot lose stamina. So I've already been asked how my Saturday was. You you guys, many of you know how, how I was longing for college football. I've been, I couldn't wait for college football. And then SEC, you know, I, I know we've been having football, but SEC started yesterday. And I, somebody said, did you spend all day in front of the TV? Yes, I did. It was good. You know what I've noticed? Kentucky lost again. But the, th- the thing about Kentucky was it was a, a tale of two halves. They ran out of gas the second half. You and I, <laughs> you and I can run out of gas, but we've got to be persistent, can't we? We have to, we have to strive to be persistent. That means we're doing the things that we know we're supposed to do. We're spending time in the right place. We've got the right posture. We're asking God, God, would you work and move? One of the reasons why I think we don't see the power of prayer move like we would like for it to be is because we're not persistent in our praying. Remember, Jesus tells a parable about the persistent widow. And the whole parable is about being persistent, not giving up. We live in a world where if it doesn't come easy, I don't want it. We've got to be persistent. We've got to stay at it. Especially during the battle. Because if, we, if we're not persistent, what's going to happen? We're going to lose. We're going to, our eyes are going to be taken off of God and it's going to be put on ourselves. And when that happens, we begin to lose the spiritual battles. We begin, to, we begin to let doubt and fear get in. We begin to let worry take over. We begin to let our sin nature 
have control because we stop trusting and persistently following God. We've got to be persistent. We've got to be praying for God's hand to move. To see great mighty things in our nation, in our church, and in our personal life. In fact, let me take a detour here for just a second. Aaron and Herb, two of my favorite people in this text. Why? Because we see how the church should be. They come along and they lift up and they help and they hold up. That's what the church is supposed to do, encouraging one another, holding each other up in moments of weakness, helping one another stay focused and persistent. That's what we do during the battle. Fourth thing I want you to catch from this text. After the battle, we must remember God's power. After the battle, we must remember God's power. Who won the the battle for Israel? God did. Make no mistake, it was God. Oh, Joshua had his role. He had his role to go and take the sword and do physical work. You and I have our role. We've got to do physical, our physical part of the battle. But God is ultimately the winner because God is the one who conquered. And we see that so easily played out here in this text. And when it's all said and done, God gives Moses this command, write it down and go tell Joshua. Why? Where's Joshua in the middle of all this? He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's fighting the war. He's doing as he was commanded to do. He's letting all this other be handled like it's supposed to. He's just a foot soldier. So God says to Moses, you go tell Joshua, because Joshua needs to know. And not only does Joshua need to know, but write it down. Make it a banner day because everybody needs to know the battle is won through God. The same is true for you and I. When we come to these moments in our lives, we, when, when, when we get through a moment, we need to celebrate what God has brought us through. Because if it wasn't for God... Where would we be? I mean, think about your own personal life. If it wasn't for God, where would you be right now? Has God rescued you? Yes. Has God brought you through fires in your life? Yes. Has God brought you out of the pit? Yes. We all, every one of us have a different testimony of what God has done. Some of us have been the prodigal. Some of us have been Jonah and run. Some of us, some of us have done, we've been every, every piece of scripture we can relate to because we've been part of it. We've been Joseph wondering why God, why all this happening to me? We've been the people of Israel whining like babies. God, won't you do this? God, why haven't you fixed this? We, we've, we can see ourselves throughout scripture. And God has been victorious. And what does that tell us? We need to remember God's power. Because he delivered us. 
Close your Bibles and look at me for just a moment. Do you understand the power of God? A few years ago, um, our family, uh, Pam and I and Drew, owned a pontoon boat. And uh, it was the last time we were on it. We were going to go out one early, early morning and do some fishing. In fact, uh, my cousin's husband, who's a fisherman, was going to meet us, and we were going to go out on the um, barren and just enjoy the morning. We get up early, get down to the boat, and get on the boat, start up, and we come around, pick up Jeremy when he gets, on, gets there. We go about 300 yards out into Barren River Lake. We were just going to fish close to the dock where we've been. We get out about 300 yards and turn the boat off. Now we got to go a little further. I go to turn the boat back on, it won't start. Didn't hit a lick. Didn't do a thing. No light, no radio, nothing. I mean, it had hit perfectly and started just, you know, in fact, the battery had been charged, I thought, and so we didn't hit a lick. Jeremy, who is on boats all his life, you know, been fishing all his life. Um, I, this was our first boat, our only boat. Uh, John Ray, you wouldn't have wanted to be with me that day. And we get out there and Jeremy goes, well, where's your toolbox? Toolbox? What are you talking about toolbox? Well, where's your backup battery? Backup battery? What are you talking about? You ain't got a toolbox? You ain't got a backup battery? Man, I got this boat. What are you thinking? Well, you ain't got anything. I got this oar. He goes, well, that ain't going to get us anywhere in this boat. I, you know, the thing about us sitting on that lake that morning and nobody being out there, <laughs> nobody being out there, we look good. The, bo the boat was doing fine. Looked pretty on the lake. Lake was real calm. Nobody out there. We had all the fishing gear we needed. We could do any fishing we wanted. We just couldn't go anywhere. I was unprepared. I wasn't prepared for us to be sitting in the middle of the lake, not moving. But you know, I think a lot of Christians look that way. You look good on the outside. You, you got all the right. You got all the right tools. You think you can. You, you got the. You got your Bible. You. You. You know. Some of you got some big fat Bibles. You know. You. You know. Got all the bookmarkings. And you. You know. Your Bible's marked up. But you're not prepared for the battle. Be, because you're not plugging into God every day. You're not calling on God to go. God, I. I, I need you. I need you. I, I have no idea what this day is about to hold, but you do. I know that anything I face today, you're greater. So Lord, would you just help me? Pre help me be prepared when that moment strikes. When the battle begins, help me be ready to live for you. Help me to be ready and, and on guard. 
Help me to have the right posture, Lord. Help me to, help me to have the posture that when, when trouble comes my way, I don't turn my fist, but I open my hands and cry out to you. Help me in my weakness. Lord, help me to be strong in you. Lord, we know that the battle is won because of you, not because of us. This morning, if you're here this morning, I want you to take that, that green card out that I asked you to pick up a minute ago. Here's what I want you to do. You can, you can put your first name, you can put initials, you can do whatever. But there at the prayer requests and updates, here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd just like for you to, to tell us how we could pray for you in the battle. Because the reality is we're all in a battle and some of us are some of us are struggling because we're unprepared. And what I want to do is I want to pray for you to help you to, not, to pray for you and however the battle is that God will, will help you in that. You may want to write, hey, would you call us? We'd like to talk some more. You may, wanna, you may want more than just to put a prayer request down, but if you would take that card and you would, you would write a prayer request, we I'd appreciate it. I'll pray over each one of those. If you're here this morning and you've never confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, here's a couple things I want to encourage you to do. You can do it on the card or you can do it this way. This morning, if you're here and, and you don't know Jesus, the problem is you're, you're not even prepared to get on the boat. You, you, you don't even have Christ in your life, and so you need Jesus. And so you can do it one of two th ways. You can use this card or you can use the telephone number on the screen. But if you want to give your life to Christ, would you just tell us that? If you want to confess Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you go, I, I don't know what that means. I don't know how that looks. I, I need help. You just, you can either put it on the card or text 270-681-2363 or you can call that number, either one, text or call. And we'll begin a conversation with you. Maybe you're here this morning and, and a rededication is what you need. To, you know Christ saved you. You know that your home is in heaven, but you, the way you live your life and the battles are not, they're not working out for you. You can mark that on the card or, or call or text. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning. You want to join our church family. Would you use this card or that, that phone number to do that? The thing is, would you live for Jesus? He came in this world in an earthly form. Revealed to us how to live our life and then revealed the greatest love there ever could. He went and laid his life down for you and I. That if we confess him as our personal Lord and Savior, we can have eternal life. What he calls us to do in return is to live for him. So would you do that? If you filled that card out this morning, if you're using that card on your way out at our offering box, just drop that in. We'll get those and pray over those. This morning, whatever the decision on your heart is, would you just respond? Would you pray with me?